This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again. Something we like to call the Ball on Blast Podcast. As always, my name is Sean Alexander, and I'm joined by my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what is good, my dear? Oh, man. How you doing, Shelly? I mean, it's like been, what, almost a month since the uh, NBA championship was awarded, mm-hmm. and, and like we've got nothing to talk about now we're in the offseason, <laughs> right? How crazy is it? I swear, I, I feel like I've said this 25 times over since we've been doing this podcast, that sometimes I wondered, oh, I don't know if we'll have enough to talk about each and every week. Well, right. there's been no games played, right? Well, actually, Summer oh. League started a couple nights ago. Yo, and Summer League's <laughs> nice right now. It is. Did you see uh, the, the kid in Miami, Derek Jones, tonight? No, I didn't see that. I, oh, I missed man, it. just pogo sticks, man. Okay, I got to check it out. I'm in, I'm in. But, I mean, there's been no games really to talk about, but it's just been craziness since. And, obviously, last week, the big talk was about our guy, Cuffs the Legend. Cuffs the legend proving to be through. correct, right? He came through again. He came through again, and he is doing a victory lap on Twitter. And if you are, if you listen to us and you have been following Cuffs the legend for the past week, you've been enjoying the victory lap that he's a been on. A long victory lap. A long victory lap. Oh, yes. But obviously, he was telling us that LeBron was going to go to the Los Angeles Lakers, and he is correct. And it's funny because the way that I think this played out, Webby, might surprise more people because we assume that there was a deal in place behind the scenes where LeBron had a deal with maybe Paul George or maybe he had a deal with Kawhi. And we'd see LeBron joining up with someone else to go there, but it hasn't really played out that way, right? No, no. LeBron end up didn't have a deal with any players. LeBron mm-hmm. had a deal with Magic Johnson. Yes. And that's what, what seems to be coming out now in these in these last couple of days after and I'm sure we'll get to it all the pieces that the Lakers have added here. Mm-hmm. Now the interesting thing with what LeBron did with LA, I think the number one, you know, thing that caught my eye was the amount of years. You know? Yes. Three three guaranteed and then a player option, a LeBron option for the fourth. Is yes. that what it is? Exactly, so, yeah. It's a three plus one deal, yeah. So this is a plan now. So this is something that Magic has thought about, uh, that LeBron has thought about, that their people have thought about, and now it's about putting it into action. And how can you execute what they want to do for the next four years to really cement LeBron's legacy in the NBA? And I'm just – it's still surreal to me that LeBron is going to be on the L.A. Lakers next year. It's so crazy. (laughs) Even though it's something that has been rumored, it's been, you know, kind of like in the backgrounds of the NBA. I honestly never thought it would happen. It still just seems weird. It seems like weird photoshops, right? And obviously we haven't seen him in the jersey, so we are just seeing photoshops. But I mean, the image of him in the Lakers jersey still doesn't seem like it's going to be a real thing. And it's so odd, but on a level, there's there's two things. One, exactly what you said. The fact that he signed a four-year deal, that's massive because this is the longest commitment we've seen LeBron make to a team in, well, since Miami, right? Every time yeah. he's with the Cavs, it was always, it was a one-year deal, one-year deal, and then he signed for the two-year deal, right? So for him to commit, you would assume that, you know, how much more do you think is left at a, in the tank for LeBron James after this four-year deal? Well, it's funny because, again, the way that the team is set up, and from the quotes that I was reading today, 
It's mm-hmm. that this is set up to like almost prolong his career because yes. while we marveled at what he's been doing the last two, three years, and especially this season uh, in the regular season and the playoffs, that's a heavy burden for a guy that age to carry with that many miles on his legs. So I got gotcha. you. And so it's really interesting now to see what Magic's next couple of moves are going to be down the road. And I know that we got this whole narrative of the Warriors are playing chess while the rest of the league is playing checkers when they mm-hmm. made the move for DeMarcus. But I don't know. This Magic Johnson playing in L.A. could really have some legs. And we could see the Lakers become one of these super teams in the next two years. It is really interesting, right? And it's, it's good that you mentioned the two years because there's an article written today by, and today being Thursday, we always tape this podcast most of the time, Thursday nights. There's an article that came out today on Thursday by Brian Windhorst and Ramona Shelburne. And it, I always find these things funny where it's like sources close to LeBron. And it's like, come on, Brian Windhorst, we know your source is LeBron, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you're cool in those circles, but it's, it's great reporting, as always, right, from those two. But a lot of it was about what led to the deals that happened afterwards, right? So a lot of people are talking about the fact we mentioned they didn't get Kawhi, or yet. They haven't gotten Kawhi yet. I and they, have, they didn't get Paul George. They no, did, they, however. <laughs> they got Lance and Rondo. Lance, Rondo, and JaVale McGee. Yeah. And also Contavious Caldwell Pope, right? right? And those are not the the high-profile moves that many people were expecting, but as this article dives into, these are kind of moves that, as you said, will prolong LeBron's career because they, they felt like, and it's interesting because it, it talks about the conversation that LeBron James had with Magic Johnson, and they were talking about different ways of how difficult it was for LeBron last year because he literally had to do everything for his team. Now... A lot of that was LeBron's fault because he built this team in terms of having shooters around him. But the the flaw in that was he had to go ham every night because he had to get those guys open shots. In this instance, with getting a guy like Lance, Lance can get his own shot. Now, are those always good shots? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I love Lance getting his own shot. That's that's half the fun watching Lance is For him sure. with the ball in his hands, man. But he can create a play. Are those? Is it always going to be the great play? No. I don't know. That's a whole other story. But at least he can create a play. Rondo, obviously we know, especially playoff Rondo, that's a serious playmaker. And I think putting more guys in that role, and who knows if Lonzo Ball is still going to be there. We're not really sure. We'll kind of get to him soon. But it was just adding more playmakers to the roster that can get LeBron easy baskets, but also get other guys baskets. Because there's way too much burden on LeBron the past few years and having to get everyone buckets. Basically, Kevin Love was the only guy that you could just give the ball to and he could score. Right. And, you know, that's too much of a burden, especially as you mentioned, LeBron's getting up there in age. They need to get easier baskets from LeBron. And that was really the thought process in getting Rondo and getting a guy like Lance Stevenson, but also Webby, the key part. We talk about it all the time. This thing that you can't measure with statistics, and that's nuts. You're talking about two guys who are not afraid of anything. Who are that LeBron can nuts. go to battle with. Yeah, who are crazy, who are nuts. <laughs> it's yes. great. And and almost like when we were going through this with LeBron going to Miami and how he mm-hmm. was casted as the villain. A lot of people didn't like that move and the way it was handled. And so LeBron dealt with being the villain for the first time in his career and didn't really know how to uh, wear those shoes. 
now with Lance and Rondo, like, could this be like LeBron entering his villain mode? I just think too, he, the way that he was going down against the Warriors, there was no pushback at all, right? Like not that they were getting bullied, but we saw Rondo step back in, you know, a Draymond's face last year in oh, the playoffs, yeah. right? Draymond's talking up, Rondo's not backing down. We already know Lance and his antics. And I feel like LeBron needed a little bit of that by his side during not only the playoffs, but especially against the Warriors. And is this team talented enough right now? No. But is is this team done? No. no. So that to me is a super interesting part about what's going on. And and the bigger storyline from this article is just the, the plan that LeBron is in on the fact that this isn't about just next year yeah. or what happens in this season. It's a long-term plan. And that's why these guys are, are set up signing one-year deals so that they still have flexibility heading into next season. But also, it's kind of a fail-safe because if they make a couple moves, they lose a couple bodies, right? You can plug in Lance. You can plug in Rondo if you get rid of Lonzo Ball, right? So there, it gives them some flexibility here, but not the added pressure of, hey, you need to win next year against the Warriors, right? Absolutely. Now, the other thing that I'm going to be really excited to see once we get the season get kicking up again, that if this is the way that this team is going to be kind of built for LeBron, where it's almost like the pieces that they're adding in are going to be to try to get LeBron the ball in the best possible circumstance. Do you think that we're going to see that ratio? I mean, I know that we talked about it a lot of uh, how much um, – speed LeBron was playing at, right? He wasn't playing on the defensive end because he was conserving energy on the offensive end. Now, yeah. with with his offensive um, exertion being scaled back a little bit where these guys will be trying to get LeBron the ball in the best possible circumstance, do you think yeah. now we'll see kind of a LeBron defensive renaissance? Maybe, and, and it's so interesting to see, right? Because that could be a part of his game that he adds. And we, we've seen LeBron, obviously, the chase down blocks. We, we know what he's able to do there. But it'll be so cool to see LeBron kind of, and I hate saying this because obviously LeBron's a better player than Draymond, right. but in the Draymond role in, in terms of, you know, being a defensive captain, yes. so to speak, right? Where he's there for the help defense. He can do that stuff because LeBron is going to extend his career I feel like LeBron could play 10 more years playing a stretch four, right? Like if Dirk is still playing right now, if Dirk Nowitzki is still in the league signing contracts, basically going from three-point line to three-point line, I feel like LeBron could play 10 more years easily if he wanted to, which I don't think he does. But you know what I mean? Like just the way that the game is played now and the physical specimen that LeBron James is in terms of you know, he takes care of his body, obviously, um, but he's a big guy, and he, we haven't really seen him play that power forward, but as the power forward position in the NBA has changed to this stretch four, it's going to be so interesting to see how LeBron fits into that on both sides of the floor. Yeah, absolutely. And also, quick digression, Dirk Nowitzki, possible six-man of the year award. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. There's so if many fun storylines. If Dallas can, like really pick and choose how they use Dirk uh, mm-hmm. uh, as he, like, is hitting his early 40s, late 30s here. Like, I mean, he'd be so dangerous with for that team, giving them, like, 18 minutes off the bench every night, come out and hit, like, four three-pointers. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. I think that'll be totally cool to see how that all shakes down with uh, 
the Dallas Mavericks because Dirk Nowitzki, yeah, I think he's moving into a bench role this year. They obviously got some young guys. It's kind of the passing of the torch situation. So it'll be definitely cool to see. Not as exciting as what's going on in the Lakers locker room or what could go on in the Lakers locker room, Webby. But I guess that shifts to my next question. Are you worried about having all of these personalities in the Lakers locker room? Do you, would you be worried about that? And with like Luke Walton, still a pretty inexperienced coach. Does that worry yeah, you? Yeah, hundred percent. But it's not, it's not, if I was Luke Walton, it wouldn't be Lance or Rondo or even JaVale McGee that I would think that's going to, uh, uh, you know, cost me my job. It's LeBron. Mm, okay. I, I don't think that Luke, I mean, that that's one thing that really hasn't come out over the last couple of days. I don't even think LeBron has mentioned Luke Walton since uh, joining. I think the story came out that he hasn't even talked to Luke Walton. That's yet. crazy. Like I don't. I think I saw that story that it, they haven't. It hasn't been a thing yet. LeBron and Luke Walton. It's basically been a LeBron and Magic and Rob Palenka type yeah. thing so far. But uh, yeah, you, you bring up a great point, and LeBron will definitely be a focal point. And I feel like people. You know, Lance and Rondo, as much as they they get the label of being head cases, I think when they know it's winning time, when they know like, hey, this is the setting to like, it's go-getter time, they can focus in. And instead of the focus being on those guys, I think this could have a positive uh, reaction to the Young Bucks, to the Lonzo and to Kuzma and, you know, all this stuff about... Uh, who's making diss tracks to each right. other. I don't really think that stuff's going to fly in that locker room with LeBron, no. Rondo, and Lance, right? Like, I don't really think that's a thing that's going to happen. Well, to be fair, Lance has put out uh, a couple of rap singles and some music videos as well. For sure. But I think there's a big difference between that and making diss tracks about your yeah, teammates. Yeah, absolutely. And then you know what? <laughs> right. I think we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. This is kind of what the Lakers need on, like, steroids. I mean, they needed some veteran leadership, some people that they could really look up to for these young players to really reach their maturity uh, on the court and off. And now they have some grown ups and now they have the grown up in the room. So it's got to be put up Uh, or shut up time if you're even sticking around. Are you worried about LeVar Ball and LeBron being kind of like, you know, we've already heard there's talks of. Someone leaked to Woj that they thought someone in the Lonzo Ball camp, which that to me means LeVar, leaked the fact that uh, Lonzo had knee issues. And so they thought they were doing that to avoid him being in a possible trade package out of L.A. Um, We've heard quotes from LeVar obviously talking about how he thinks the Lakers are going to win a championship now that they got LeBron. And he's taking credit saying that he predicted all of this happening. Which he did, by the way. But that's a side note, right? That's a side note. Um, are you worried about Lavar Ball kind of butting his head in and, and being a distraction or a problem for LeBron James? No, because you know what, Lavar Ball, we've talked about this a bunch of times too. Um, it, it is not as dumb as everybody thinks he is. Okay, yes. Lavar Ball yep. knows what side of the bread is buttered, and that would be the side yep. that Lebron James is playing basketball on. So if you want your son to be successful and to win a championship with your hometown L.A. Lakers, I would be keeping LeBron's name out of my mouth unless it was <laughs> LeBron is awesome and I can't believe he's playing with Lonzo. Exactly. So Now, true. will he do that? I'm not too- sure. But I have a feeling that LeVar might not be quite as uh, on the scene as he was earlier on in Lonzo's rookie year. 
also too trying to leak that information to keep your son in LA. Yeah. I'm not going to say that it's a, it's a like above board. Like it's a, it's a good, a positive political move. What's the word I'm looking for here. I'm not going to say that it's like how you should do business, <laughs> but, but you gotta do in terms you gotta of being do. kind of a, yeah, for your family. And he wants to try to ensure that LeVar or sorry, that Lonzo stays in LA that's kind of sneaky. Yeah. But, well, I mean, we yeah, kind of saw through that as soon as that knee injury w- news was released, like a week before free agency. It was like, boy, exactly. I wonder what this is about. <laughs> um, the one other thing I want to say, too, because people keep talking about how's LeBron going to react to LeVar and all that stuff. And obviously they had a little – they had a back and forth, I think, last year when LeVar said something about LeBron's kids. And LeBron was like, keep my kid's name out your mouth. All that, right? And I think that there's a line that LeVar probably knows, right? But I also think there's another level to this that hasn't really been talked about in mainstream media. And trust me when I say this, and I want people to listen to me carefully about what I'm about to say. I mean this a lot more in a culture way as opposed to a black and white way. Because I feel like when you say certain things, people think like, oh, this is about black people versus white people. No, no, no. I feel like if you understand culture, right? then you understand LeVar Ball a lot more than someone who is not culture. Does that make sense? And I feel, and what I mean by that is LeBron James, for example, one of the things he talks about a lot is like a lot of people who grew up like him, they grew up in single parent households. So I think that there's a side to LeBron that kind of understands LeVar on a different level in terms of LeVar being a father and LeBron being able to appreciate the fact that this is a father looking out for his son above all means by any means necessary you you think right does he is he always correct in how he does it no but above all he's trying to do right for his kids and he's done so so far with his three boys one of them obviously making it to the NBA and I think that on some level LeBron understands that and so while a lot of the media is so quick to be like, LeVar's crazy, LeVar's crazy, LeVar's crazy. I'm quick to say, you don't get culture, you are not culture. So you just write off LeVar. When I think a lot of people, if you have under, an understanding, it's like, yo, I got an uncle like that. Or I know a dude on my block that's exactly like that. He just talks shit for the sake of talking okay. shit. It's not real. It's not. It's, it's, it's put on. It's like a character. It's like, I got an uncle yeah. like that. Or that's dude at the barbershop. Or... Am I making sense? Am I explaining this correctly? You think that LeBron is seeing LeVar more for what he's doing for his kids than as the circus performer that the rest of the media, that the rest of the public I think he understands. I think he understands more of the circus of what LeVar is doing, right? I think he, he understands the method to the madness behind him, right? And, well, most people just write it off of LeVar saying, my son is the best, blah, blah, blah. We look at it as, well, yeah, of course this guy thinks that his son is the best. And, you know, I know a lot of people whose dads are going to be the first person to be up in the camera being like, my son is the best. He's going to be the best ever. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And in fact, there's a lot of us that wish we had a dad (laughs) because we didn't grow up with our dad that would love to have a dad that was like that. And I just think that it's a different line of culture that if you're not a part of, or I don't want to say you're not a part of, but if you don't understand, 
And again, that's okay if you don't understand it. It's it's totally fine, right? It's just different. And we all have different backgrounds, different experiences, different ways of coming up. And I feel like if you if you're not if you didn't come up that way or grow up with people who did come up that way, you don't really understand it. Because I feel like a lot of us, when I talk to my boys about LeVar Ball, we just laugh because we're like, oh, yeah. Like, I feel like everybody has that guy Listen, in their crew that just talks shit. Not only that, but <laughs> if you grew up playing organized sports, too. It doesn't matter yeah. because that's something yeah. that I found uh, growing up where I did was something that did cut along uh, cultural lines. You know, so mm-hmm. you would, you know, I mean, like you'd be playing with kids from other neighborhoods, you know, for your school or for your club or whatever, and you would get to know yeah. the other parents. And of course, whether it was white or black, there was a kid whose dad or mom would be in the ear of the coach. You got to play my son more. My, my, my son's the best exactly. player in this team. You, you got to get my son exactly. more at bats at the four hole. You know, it, 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 yeah, those kinds of parents just exist. Like, and exactly, and, and when I when I'm trying to explain and like tiptoe across the line of talking about black and white and culture, the reason why I'm tiptoeing around it is because you know, as Webby's saying, the as you're saying, Webby, the the you know those parents, but maybe the way that they express it is just exactly. in a different way, exactly, right? And like the way that Lavar expresses it is a way that if you're familiar with culture, it makes a lot of sense, and you're just laughing because you're like, this guy's jokes. This and guy's I'd rather hilarious. that than uh, than uh, what, what what was the guy's name Marinovich Tom Marinovich the whose oh, yeah, dad yeah. was yep. just as crazy but in a way more destructive way to his son's career yes. and his son's psyche you know I'd rather a, a, a father who's passionate about their kid's success take a little bit of the piss out of it like Lavar does rather than running his kids into the ground uh, and making them work out mm-hmm. every day and putting them on crazy like dietary regimens, workout regimens. I'd rather that kind of positive support. I mean, I, I think that what happens with Lavar getting treated the way he does by the media, by the mainstream media is because it's kind of seen as uh, like a jokey or a circus thing. But Again, we've talked about it at length. I think that LeVar is way smarter than anybody gives him credit for. And it's, in fact, taking a lot of the spotlight away from his son so he can succeed in the sport that he loves by making himself the focal point. It's interesting. Yeah, it it is very interesting. Yeah, because I I feel like you're right in that sense that if Lonzo – fails, whatever we deem a failure for someone that makes it to, into the NBA, a lot of the blame is going to go yeah. to LeVar, right? Like everyone's going to be like, oh, LeVar was too much of a problem, blah, 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 right? And it's like, it, and, and that's the funny part, but I also feel like that alleviates some of the pressure or the tension on Lonzo. And as what you said, we've talked about LeVar Ball at length, probably too much on this podcast, but LeVar, I do hold a soft spot for LeVar Ball. And I still say, stand by it. Their reality show is really good. It's actually funny. Um, But what I was going to say is we talked about it a lot at length, and I always still find it funny, and I'll end this little part of the Ball family on this point. If you're basing LeVar Ball's uh, ability as a parent on wins and losses (laughs) – the exactly. problem is with your, you, your priorities right? are messed up. Because if Lonzo does really well, if Lonzo does really well and the Lakers win, you're not going to say anything. You're going to be like, "Oh, great job by Lavar." But if Lonzo struggles, right, and let's say he's out of the league after his rookie deal, you're going to be like, "Oh, Lavar's a bad parent," which makes yeah. no sense at all, right? So, anyways, let's move on from that topic, and you know, 
one thing, we don't know if Lonzo is going to be involved in a trade package or the rumors of Kawhi could still be in the works, even though we've seen the, the proposed rumors for what the Spurs want is completely Insanity. ridiculous. But one of the things that uh, was mentioned was LeBron James hasn't talked at all since signing this deal, and he doesn't plan to talk until the end of this month at, I think, an event for his school that he has in Akron, Ohio. And and that's later, that's at the end of this month. And I think that was strategic because it's going to give Magic and the Lakers some time to either trade for Kawhi or make that bigger move so that when they have the press conference, it's not just LeBron right. by himself, right? Yeah. Am I reading that right? Not I, that's my that, assumption. But, uh, as they can also kind of like formulate their plan going forward, we've talked about it, like what they're going to do with this roster and what that next step is going to be about talking to Kawhi and any kind of other free agent trade targets they might have. I've been, I saw maybe Dame Lillard, maybe John Wall, maybe a guard that can, yeah. uh, that can run point for them. So I think that they're going to wait till it shakes out just a little bit more. And then I kind of have more of a concrete plan when LeBron plans to talk at the end of the month. Yeah. I'm going to find that exact story you were talking about, right? Cause it came out yesterday that a number of trade options are being considered by the Lakers executives, Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka, and the names that are being bandied about include Damian Lillard, Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan, Bradley Beal, and John Wall, Kevin among Love. others. Kevin so, Love to the Lakers stat. That would, that would be, be awesome. amazing. That would be amazing. I mean, so there's still a lot of pieces to fall in place. One of those pieces might not be Kawhi Leonard. As the story came out, he might be more open to going to the Clippers. Now, do you think that's just posturing by the Spurs to, to someone to get that out there, to force the Lakers' no, hand yeah, to try to, build, to make them yeah, give to up more? build a little bit more value on what is quickly becoming with every Kawhi story, less and less value you have for this guy. Do you see Kawhi heading to – how do you think this ends? Do you think Kawhi ends up on the Lakers? Seeing, seeing as we'll continue our streak or try to continue our streak is predicting the future. We had – we were right about LeBron going to the Lakers. We were right about yeah. John Tavares going to the Leafs. Shout yes, out. Yes, we were. Um, did, we, did we have Paul George staying in Oklahoma City? We did not have that. Do we no, want to go to that? Do we want to go there? Or do, let's get did. a Kawhi prediction first. Do you think Kawhi ends up with the Lakers by the end of the month? Oh, no. Oh, okay. I think I think he sticks with the Spurs and he sits out the year. Okay. In oh, wow. That's what I, that would yeah, be something. That's what I think. That would be something. That's what I okay. think. I think the, the Lakers, because Magic needs to make a big move here, Magic needs to do something. He can't just get LeBron in this offseason. That's not enough. Um, I think they, they do land Kawhi Leonard. That is going to happen. He's going to okay. – they're going to come to some form of agreement where they get into the middle of whatever the initial package was the Spurs were asking for, which is completely insane, by the way. Um, yeah, I just can't see them getting that kind of a haul. Yeah, the haul they're looking for is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Like they wanted – I'm trying to find the tweet here. Uh, but it's what some it? form Ingram, of Lonzo and three first round picks. Yeah, it was it was like Lonzo, Hart, Kuzma, and Hart, Ingram, Ku and Ingram, and three first round picks. Yeah, like come on, guys. Like let, let's for a serious. guy who's going to sign there in the offseason. Yeah, so I see them meeting somewhere in the middle, and yeah, they'll get they'll get Kawhi. 
they'll get the job done. But let's get to Paul George because that was the thing that we were wrong about. And I must say, Webby, I'm kind of happy that I was wrong about it because you know me. I love Russ. I'm always Team Russ. I'm going to root for the success of Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder. But also, I love the way that this all went down. And I don't know what you – it was a long weekend in Canada as well, you know, for our American fans. Shout out to, uh, you know, July 4th. But in Canada, it was Canada Day weekend as well. And on Saturday, I was at my buddy's house at a barbecue, right? And when I showed up, the first thing I said to to everyone – was I apologize ahead of time, but if you see me and I'm on my phone, I'm just like hitting refresh on Twitter (laughs) because John Tavares is about to sign with the Leafs and I need to see what's going to happen with LeBron and what's going to happen with uh, Paul George and all these things, right? So fast forward to about like 11.30 and the first like notice came on Twitter that Russell Westbrook was flying back into OKC for a party and yeah, that's when I knew. Word is that's Paul George is on the staying. way. And I was like, hold on, wait, what? He's staying? I was stunned. Because last week we were talking about we thought that was a done deal, Paul George going to the Lakers. But no, the Thunder. Webby, what do you make of the move of Paul George sticking in Oklahoma City and not signing just a two-year deal, but he signed the same deal as LeBron, right? Yeah, that's right. And what, three years? Three plus, plus one. one. Yeah, three plus one deal. What I love is the budding bromance between Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Just two guys who couldn't be further uh, from each other in terms of style and what they like to do in their off time. Yeah. But just two guys that obviously really get each other. But the big thing is now is that the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder have the most expensive roster in the NBA. And when yes. you look at that roster, uh, outside of Paul George, Stephen Adams, and Russell Westbrook, it's pretty dire. For sure. So, yeah, Paul George, the actual numbers of four-year, 137 max contract to stay with the Thunder. And as you just said, Webby, yeah, their tax bill is hella crazy over, right now. Gets them over $300 million after the taxes. But I will say, though, Webby, there was uh, Bobby Marks, who I think is like the the cap strategist for ESPN – he yeah. put out the number of what exactly is going to happen because the assumption is that Oklahoma City is going to buy out or stretch uh, Carmelo Anthony. And if that happens, if they stretch Carmelo Anthony and Kyle Singler or just release Kyle Singler, that will save them, I want to say, like $100 million. Here we are. So mention this in the OKC section that the 150 million in projected tax bill would shrink to 50 million if the stretch provision is used on Carmelo Anthony and Kyle Singler, a total savings of 120 million in next season, 2018-2019. So is that the is that the first time you've heard Kyle Singler and Carmelo Anthony's name in the same sentence? Uh, no, because there's probably been ISOs of them sitting on the bench together last <laughs> year <laughs> doing nothing for Oklahoma City. Uh, poor Mello, how the mighty have fallen. But Holy. this will actually, I think, get kind of more interesting too because I see Mello, if this happens, I see Mello joining the Lakers. Wow. That would be fun. I think that would be fun, man. I don't know. The NBA, again, and I know we're going to get to Boogie Cousins in a second, but I'm here for this. And I know that I'm the Russell Westbrook supporter so, you know, I get branded with that label in my in my thoughts on OKC, but I see them being a good team next year, right? Like it'll be year 2 of Paul George and 
Russell Westbrook playing against playing with each other. And I think a big part here is that the part that's being overlooked is we I was told for about two years how bad of a teammate Russell Westbrook is. And here's a guy in Paul George who's deciding, you know what? I'm not going to go back to my hometown in LA and play with LeBron James. I'm going to stay in Oklahoma City and play with Russ because I believe in Russ and I want to play beside Russ. And I'm just waiting to hear all the naysayers that were so quick to jump on Russell Westbrook's back for the past how many years about how terrible of a teammate he is, right? Like, I don't understand that. If he's such a terrible teammate, why did Paul George stay? I, I, I mean, I'm on that same train as you. I, I don't think Russell Westbrook's a bad teammate at all. Mm-hmm. I think that what he demands from the guys on his team and, and what he puts on the floor every single night yeah. is uh, something that inspires teammates. For it's sure. It's just, you, you know who they need is, and it sounds crazy, and I don't know however they might be able to land a guy like this, but they need Blake Griffin. That would be amazing. That would be interesting. That would be crazy. He would cost you so much money and you'd be back he's into that just, crazy tax bill. He's just owed so much. They, they, there'd be no way to get him, but he would be a good fit on how they're crafting this team, I think. He would be, but the one thing I'd worry about is you're, you're now relying on him to be healthy, which is something he hasn't been in a long, long time. That's the one thing I'd worry about. But a healthy Blake Griffin on that team, that'd be super interesting. Um, the one thing I want to say, though, too, as well – that I found super interesting in Paul George making this decision to stay in Oklahoma City rather than going to L.A. is I think an interesting part of this is if you pay attention to what happens to LeBron James sidekicks, right? And a lot of people talk about, you know, are you worried about LeBron the leader, you know, when he's putting out the Arthur fist or, you know, if he's subbing you on Twitter, like he's 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 uh, subtweeting you on Twitter or talking about you in the media or whatever, all those things. Right. And we know that that comes with a lot of baggage. But I think the biggest issue in playing alongside LeBron James is if the if the Lakers lose, it's the supporting cast fault. Right. And I think that was a thing that Obviously, Kyrie got tired of that Kevin Love talked about was a huge thing for him to to get used to dealing with. But if that team loses, the LeBron side pieces get the blame. Whereas in Oklahoma City, if we remember, Paul George played horribly in that last game. Well, in that series against the Utah Jazz, Paul George got outplayed by Joe Joe Ingles, right? Joe Joe Ingles was killing him. And yet most of the blame still fell on to Russell Westbrook. Right, that's what you get for being the face of your franchise. But I, I just mean I think if you're Paul George, to me it's like you either go to L.A. and get blamed for losing to the Warriors, or you can stay in OKC, ride with Russ, and you know, Russ gets the blame. And I know that someone told me that that's a loser mentality, right? Because you're thinking about what happens if you lose and who's going to get the blame. But I'm just saying like. In, in the in the sense of who would you rather be a sidekick beside, right? Like yeah. the guy in terms of Russell Westbrook, who you know is going to take all the bullets for you, or the guy LeBron James, who whatever he does, we know the media is pushing narratives in his favor all the time. Well, that's the other thing too, just the media. Yeah, I mean, listen, Oklahoma City's got a good team, but it's not like being on the Lakers with. LeBron James, where <laughs> every day you're going to be on ESPN, you know? Oh, yeah. That's such a massive thing. Uh, the other thing, too, 
I don't know if LeBron, I mean, I'm sure LeBron probably could have had a better party in LA and maybe with the bigger artists, but I thought it was kind of cool how that was set up that they had Nas ready for that performance in Oklahoma City. And yeah. did you see the shots in the video of, of uh, PG and Russ with the cigars, Nas performing, they had a nice crowd in attendance. That looked like a lot of fun. That was pretty cool, man. That looked really, really cool. I, I'm just happy for my friends in Oklahoma City. I mean, yeah. that, that that was one decision away from becoming a really bad situation for a little while, especially because after Paul George left, then what happens with Russ? Do you try mm -hmm. to trade him? But now they've got that unit moving forward. And they and that crowd, the, the, those fans down there, they, they pour everything they have into the Thunder. So I'm happy that that's kind of a feel-good story. It's also kind of cool for other small market teams, right? And I know the Raptors aren't a small market, but I think it kind of fits that bill just because of, you know, the the fact that you're in another country. I think optics-wise, the Raptors are a small market, right? Yeah. And I think it, it gives a win to, I guess, the non-traditional NBA big markets in the sense that, hey, you can win here, right? Like, you can, if you run your organization properly, you can hold on to your free agents, right? And I think that's a really good sign for a lot of other teams that, you know, in that instance where everyone thought Paul George was done, as your man Sam Presti was quoting a Tribe Called Quest. Scare money don't make none. Right? That was amazing. That was amazing. But the, <laughs> the point is so true, right? He took the chance. While everyone said, well, you're going to get him for one year, he took the chance on that one year, bet on his organization, bet on his superstar in Russell Westbrook, and he won. Came out the winner, absolutely. That's amazing. That is so cool. I'm happy for Oklahoma City. I think they'll do well. They'll surprise people next year and have a much better season as they figure out how to play with each other more as Paul George gets more confident and more comfortable in that situation playing alongside Russ. Melo won't be there as well. And once they get well, rid so of they... Melo, yeah, I was just going to say. But I think that the expectations that they had of Melo kind of messed things up, right? Because they were going under the the, they're going into the situation as if Melo was Melo yeah. and he was their third option and their third scorer and a reliable scorer and someone that they would depend on. And I think once you remove that expectation, that allows an avenue for someone else to step up to get more minutes to maybe bring more on the defensive end and contribute in other ways. And it's like, no, no, we need PG and Russ to go ham every day and along with Stephen Adams. And you know what, Jeremy Grant. You can be in the lineup. You can hit those open shots. You can play defense. You can be a, de a better defender than Melo was. Roberson's going to come back and be healthy. Don't sleep on OKC. Don't don't just sweep them under the rug. That's all I'm saying. Happy they're back. Um, the flip side to that, Webby, as I mentioned the Raptors a little bit, should Raptor fans be as excited as they seem to be that LeBron has left the East and jumped to the Western Conference? Yes, absolutely. So hold on, like, should they be as happy now with their team and kind of run it back thinking, well, LeBron's not there. So now we just got to worry about the Sixers and Celtics, or should they still be making moves to try to shake things up you should, on their roster? You should always be trying to make, uh, make moves and put up the best, uh, like running uh, again, we've talked about that. We're running back this same Raptors roster. I, I think that it's still going to result in the uh, in a similar outcome in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, they really I agree with you. They really need to find a way to be able to get something back from Kyle for Kyle Lowry. Yeah, as currently constituted, I still don't think the Raptors are better than the Sixers. 
I don't think the Raptors are better than the Celtics. I don't. I think the Raptors are, you know, not that Washington is good, but I feel like Washington Pacers. played them a lot tighter than they should have last year in the playoffs. Pacers got better. Pacers got better. The Bucks will be better with better coaching. Like, I don't know, man. It, it's it's not going to be just this thing where LeBron leaves and now the Eastern Conference is ours, so run it back. I think I agree with you, Webby. They do need to do something to 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 mix up their core a little bit. We saw that might not be DeMar as uh, – did you see that video of yeah. the fan? <laughs> yeah, he's like, come to L.A., and he goes, hell nah. <laughs> that was kind of cool. But we know DeMar rides for Toronto, which is pretty cool, right? That's pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And we've uh, made our uh, appreciation of DeMar DeRozan pretty clear here. Uh, mm-hmm. And to move him from this team would take a lot getting back. Uh, and I, he obviously doesn't want to leave, I don't think. They're paying him a lot of money to play basketball here. Uh, and he loves the team, so uh, I got no problem with having Demar on the uh, on the squad going into next year. So true, Webby. So true. And you know, we've been going for over a half hour now, and we have not mentioned the Golden State Warriors. And, the and craziest, I don't know if it's craziest move, <laughs> the craziest move, or the most shocking move of the week was the fact that the Golden State Warriors. Yes, that Golden State Warriors team that has won back-to-back NBA championships, three of the last four NBA championships, a team that starts four All-Stars, added Marcus Cousins. Added a fifth All-Star. Yes, for the league minimum, as Boogie Cousins signed a one-year deal at the league minimum or the veterans minimum, whatever his – or no, was it the mid-level exception? I think it was – yeah, 5.5 mil from one year. Um. Boogie Cousins is now a member of the Golden State Warriors. And there were hot takes like on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Is Golden State ruining the NBA? Other people saying they're the greatest organization ever. Where do you fall in this whole debacle of Boogie Cousins joining the Golden State Warriors? Okay, so I'm in two minds. The first is of anybody uh, in the NBA that I never thought to see join the Warriors is Boogie. Uh, yes. We know that he, he doesn't really like Draymond. He doesn't like Kevin Durant. He talks shit to all the Warriors all the time. He's called them corny. He's he's with us and thinking that the Warriors are corny. <laughs> yes. And so to see him now join the Warriors for this limited amount of time, you you might think, I, I'm shocked. You know, on my other side of my brain, this is the best move Boogie Cousins could have possibly made. Not just yeah. not just for his not just for his fine and financially or basketball wise, but personal like teams when he becomes a free agent next year are gonna take what he did here into account and it's gonna be a big positive for him. Yeah. He bet he's betting on himself and also there's no pressure on him now, right? Like if he goes to another team that might be struggling that like needs him, needs him, right? He's got to hurry up and come back and there's going to be pressure on him to perform. And the the talk is going to be, is he the same boogie cousins that's putting up 20 and 10? Well, on the golden state warriors, we know he's not going to put up 20 and 10. So that pressure is eased off. Obviously all assumptions are that the golden state warriors were going to win an NBA championship. And now you got to put that respect on his name. If that happens, as an NBA champion, the same way that it's rebuilt a lot of different 
personalities that are known to be a little off the wall here. We're talking Swaggy P. We're talking JaVale McGee, right? Like you've had to make those guys NBA champions now. And so if you're Boogie Cousins and you look at the opportunity to be able to do that while you're rehabbing and the pressure's not on you to rush back because obviously they don't need you, right? It's a very good look for Boogie Cousins. So I'll say this. I understand the move that Boogie Cousins makes in the same way that I understand the move that Kevin Durant made in joining the Golden State Warriors. On the same token, though, I think it's lame as hell. And (laughs) I think it's super corny in the sense that, and I'm saying this as, you know, we're talking as basketball fans, right? And we're talking about people who played sports and sports is competition and all that. So to me, it's super lame because Boogie Cousins, you know that if you're healthy, they don't need you. Just like Kevin Durant, I know that Kevin Durant's won finals MVP the past two years, and I get all that, but Golden State didn't need you to win a championship. They were champions before you joined their team. They were a 73-win team that's arguably one of the best teams in the NBA's history before you came. So they didn't really need you, right? So in the in sense of, of people who play sports, people in, in competition, as a fan of basketball, it's a whack move. If I take a step back and look at the business side of it, I understand why Kevin Durant did this, and I understand why Boogie Cousins did this, but I like to think that I can also think that they're lame moves. Is that is that fair, Webby? Sure. Does that make sense? For sure. Uh, I, I really do uh, think Boogie's choice makes a little more sense to me than Kevin Durant's did because like Kevin Durant, (laughs) Kevin Durant came within one game of taking down the Warriors with the thunder and then Mm -hmm. dropped that team to go and join the team that he couldn't beat. Meanwhile, Boogie's just never played in the playoffs and it's, and it's not like he's (laughs) signing there for the rest of his career. This is just to get himself healthy get himself a taste of the playoffs, see what he can do, show uh, his skills to a bunch of coaches in the league that he can kind of play ball with a team like this. And then after his year, I'm sure he'll go somewhere to the next super team that needs him. Probably, probably even the Lakers. Who knows, right? I mean, and again, business-wise, I understand both moves. Competition-wise, as a fan of basketball-wise, totally lame and you know that narrative gets gets cluttered a little right and the narrative that you heard this week about you know everyone's mad at golden state for ruining basketball i don't think they ruined basketball because to me as a fan like you you need that hero and villain type thing right like you need someone to root for or someone to root against and golden state gives me something to root against so like i don't think they ruined basketball right the nba has always been a league that's dominated by a few teams anyways. It's always been the way the NBA has run, right? So all the people that are talking about how if this era of basketball is bad for the NBA, I don't really think you've been following the NBA for that long, right? Because here's here's a, a good tweet here from Tim Bontemps on Twitter. And he says, the NBA has been around for 72 seasons. The Celtics and Lakers have won 33 of the titles. Five teams have combined to win 50. Eight have combined to win 59 of them. Right? So if you if you think about it, the history of the NBA has always been, you know, top heavy. Yeah. Cool. I get that. I'm not even mad at that. I should be allowed to say that I want to cheer for this team or I want to root against this team. Like, that's what being a fan is. 
What I'm not here for, though, is the changing of what actually happens, the revisionist history, right? So everyone's talking about how Golden State's front office is so great and how they've, like, if, if you want to do what Golden State did, well, be better. That's the part that I think is not really that simple, right? Because the part that everyone leaves out, okay, if we go back in time to the Golden State Warriors team when a young Steph Curry, okay, okay they draft Steph Curry, cool, give them all the credit, other teams passed on them, that's not their fault, cool, great, they get Steph Curry. Steph Curry was injury prone for basically his entire rookie contract. Steph Curry then signs a contract that at the time, a lot of people thought they were giving him way too much money because he hadn't proven that he was able to be in, to be healthy for a full season. But then on top of that, he then turns into Steph Curry, right? Becomes two-time MVP, and you're paying him like nine million bucks, well, right? Not only that. That's, that's a fluke. Right. That's not something that, you know, I'm sitting here giving them the Bob Myers credit for being this genius. Like you can't say, well, draft well and then hope that that same player gets hurt so that you get a bargain of a deal. But then he outplays that contract. Like you can't say that you, you can't pat Bob Myers on the back for that. Well, can you? I, I wouldn't say just the Steph Curry thing, but the drafting of Clay Thompson when you did and getting and, sure. and hitting Draymond in the second round has done so much for that team in terms of freeing up what they had to pay Draymond to what they could pay other players Mm -hmm. to come in. I mean, and and like, listen, yes, you could say, well, be better or, you know, they lucked into this, they lucked into that, but man, that is some really great drafting. It is great drafting and I'm not taking anything away from the drafting that they've done, but everyone's like, they drafted three hall of famers and it's like, okay, let's, I think you're overvaluing the fact that, or you're undervaluing the fact that these three guys are able to be these three guys because of the situation. Like they're in a hall of fame situation where Steph Curry doesn't get to be Steph Curry unless his backcourt mate is Clay Thompson, who's an A plus defender who allows Steph to not have to guard the other team's point guard, right? Clay Thompson is able to get off and get his points. Clay Thompson is not Clay Thompson if he's on the Hornets playing with Kemba Walker, right? Because you can't double team Steph Curry because Clay Thompson's sitting there in the corner just to splash open threes. Why does he get those open threes? Well, because he plays with a guy like Draymond Green, who's a point forward, and a guy like Steph Curry, who can shoot from anywhere on the on the court. So you can't double team. These three pieces just work so well together. And so to say they drafted three Hall of Famers, it's like yeah. But listen, man. Okay, yes, but that's you true. Draft the players but that, you got to draft on. the players to play well together. For sure, but we're forgetting the fact that they were really building their team around three dudes: Andre Gudala, David David Lee. We don't remember that. We were not giving Bob. We're not patting Bob Myers on the back for that pickup, are we? And Andrew Bogut. Those are the three highest paid players on their team. And they ended up being lucky that Steph Curry got hurt. And they had Steph Curry at that low level contract because that's the only way that all those other pieces fit into place. Then add in the fluke of the NBA's uh, Players Association saying that they wanted all of the TV deal money in that same year, which gave a little extra money. And, and on top of that, you can say, well, they had extra money to sign Kevin Durant, but you also had to be lucky enough that you would have a superstar. And I'd love to hear another example of a superstar that has done this because I can't think of one off the top of my head. But another superstar that would be willing and able 
to leave the only organization he's known after blowing a 3-1 <laughs> lead to a team and then joining that exact same team. That's a certain character trait of a person that I don't really know many other superstars that right. would have done that. And so did all of this stuff happen? Cool. But I'm not going to give him all the credit for putting this whole organization together when, let's be serious, did Bob Myers get Kevin Durant or did Draymond call Kevin Durant in the parking lot after they lost to the Cavs in the finals and said, we need you to beat LeBron? Listen, I, I really appreciate your Warriors hate. I really do because I hate <laughs> the Warriors as well. But you you can yes. – this, this is some sour grapes stuff here. All right? Oh, this Bob definitely. Myers, like what I, they've it, done over the last eight years, seven years, mm -hmm. has been nothing short of amazing. They've turned their they've turned Listen. their franchise from a small market, barely relevant team whose greatest achievement. Well, I mean, they had won a NBA championship. Their greatest achievement in the past twenty years would be upsetting the Dallas Mavericks in a first round playoff matchup. Okay, for sure. For sure. Through in seven years, they've turned this team into a juggernaut. Now, I agree with you; they got lucky yeah. here and there, but it really started with drafting those three guys. And to be to be For able sure. to uh, recognize the talent and scout the talent of those three guys, understanding what you're putting mm -hmm. together, not pulling the trigger on the Clay Thompson for Kevin Love deal that was out there when this team was still in its infancy. Mm -hmm. These are all great moves by the management of that team, and you can't take it away from them. Everything you just said, Webby, is totally true. And my biggest point in all of this, right, isn't necessarily to take – to take shots or to take away from the Golden State Warriors. It's more taking away from the media who conveniently leaves out all these other factors that played into the success that the Warriors have had and just to say things like, well, other teams mad at Golden State, be better. It's like, it's a lot more complicated than that, right? It's not just draft well. Like, there are a lot of other things. Like, you need Kevin Durant, to, I mean, in a lot of people's opinion, in my opinion, and I guess in the opinion of a person that feels the need to create burner accounts to chirp fans, you need to find a superstar that's kind of, that has that mindset that he says, I'm going to leave the team that I was just riding with and join the team that just beat me, that I just blew a 3-1 lead to. You need to find a superstar that is willing and able to do that. And there's not many of those but guys around. And so I'm not going to I'm not gonna give them all the credit for that when really Kevin Durant played a huge role in that, right? Draymond begging him to come plays a huge role in that. Again, we talked about the cap flexibility brought on by that CBA. We talked about Steph getting hurt but and why, being signed at a lower cost. Those are but all Shelley. massive factors, Webby, that also, like, huge factors that add into, you know, well, just Shelley, draft well. That's why like, stop there? Okay. You had uh, the mm -hmm. your rival for the next 10 years trade one of their three pieces to the Houston Rockets for almost nothing. You had a Spurs team in the sure. same conference continue to age, and now their mm -hmm. superstar for the next generation has been shelved and probably won't be there anymore. You've... Well, in that year that the Golden State Warriors won their first title, right? That was the year that Kevin Durant was hurt, so he wasn't they didn't have to go through OKC that year, and we know that every single year that Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant were healthy, OKC made it to the conference finals, right? So there's a lot of things that we forget along the way, and I only bring that up to say how many times have you heard, well, LeBron's championship in Cleveland, well, they only won because Draymond was suspended. 
and that really helped them to the three one to come back from being three one down. You've heard that I've a heard lot, it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Compare that to how many times you've heard, well, the first Golden State Championship, they've only they only really won because Kevin Love and Kyrie well, what were about, hurt. Well, Nobody what about, says that. You never hear anybody what about say the fact that. that Houston upset uh, the 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 Clippers there in Game Six totally stole sure. Game Six. It should have been Clippers Warriors in the uh, Western Conference Finals, right? Instead of the Warriors being hey. able to step right over a Rockets team that wasn't quite where the evolution of their team has them now. Exactly. And hey, I say all this. I say all that to say this. Okay. Of course. You, if you listen to this podcast, if you know me, you know I think the Warriors are corny. They're the team I root against. But I'm an NBA fan. I'm a ball fan. So at the same time, they are a great team. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, like it's amazing watching them play basketball at a very high level. To me, it's the other things that people conveniently leave out. And it's the same people who were probably Miami Heat yeah. fans a couple years ago, same people who were Laker fans before that. You know, we know those, we all know those dudes, right? that are there to stand for whatever the new wave is, right? Cool. No problem. I understand that. That's just not me. And we're both allowed to exist and like or dislike certain things, but we both, we can appreciate the love of basketball. My thing is don't leave out the facts of other things that happened and, and don't make it as simple as, well, just draft well. Like there's a lot more to that. It's like if the Raptors magically, you know, Fred turned into Steph DeLon Wright turned into Clay and Draymond is Pascal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of crazy what happened. Like, there's a lot of other factors that would need to go into play for that to happen with the Toronto Raptors. You know what I mean? And it's not as simple as, well, they but drafted you know what also helps? And they have a winning culture. It's like, no, the best player in the league decided I'm going to you know join their team. That has nothing to do with their GM or how you good their GM You know what also is. helps? What? Drafting well. <laughs> I'm just saying, I guess it's the age-old adage, you got to be good to be lucky and lucky to be good. Okay. I just want to hear a lot more about the luck factor than just the, (laughs) oh, how great they are. I just want to hear a lot more of that mentioned as well. I don't think you win 73 games by just being lucky. No, but you get Kevin Durant by being lucky. Or do you get Kevin Durant by winning 73 games? Well, no, you get Kevin Durant by you get Kevin Durant by being lucky that he blew a 3-1 lead to the Golden State Warriors. And Ed says, "Yeah, I want to join that team." Like, who else would do that? That's the thing yeah. I like that's still the thing that hey, someone needs to explain to me like where else in basketball or in NBA circles that like or in sports like that would that would fly or that would be cool or we've seen anything remotely close to that. Blowing a 3-1 lead, leaving the only organization you've known to join that team that just beat you. I don't know. All right, we we got to move on before the Warriors fans come after us. Oh, my Golden State hate will not end. So, (laughs) you know, hey, that's that. But we will move on to, I guess, someone who also shouts out the Golden State Warriors a lot, you know, in our Ask on Blast segment. This would be one of your fans that you're talking about here. Yes, one of the teams the that he song. cheers for, Mr. Aubrey Graham, also known as Drizzy Drake, released an album. And, of course, we got to talk about that in our Ask on Blast segment. Uh, Webby, Scorpion, have you taken in the Scorpion album? I have. What are your thoughts, Mr. Andrew Webster? I've got a question for you, Shelley. Okay. 
Is Drake a rapper or is Drake a singer? Drake is a musician. No, he's not. I've Drake come- doesn't play any. Drake does not play any instruments. Drake is not a musician. <laughs> I, I tried to you cheat, there, and you got me, Webby. You got me. I, I tried will, to cheat. I would I give you. I would give you that Drake is an artist. Uh, Drake is an artist. Yes, thank you. But if you had to put him into one box, mm-hmm. rapper or singer, what box would you put him in? Drake is a pop star. No, no, that's not one. I got two boxes. <laughs> He's a singer. Got, He's a singer. Okay. Oh, hold on. I got it. He's a vocalist. How about He's that? A, just, okay. I'm just trying he, to cheat here. I'm not lying to you. As you said. Mm-hmm. Drake is a singer. Okay. And yes. he is a much better singer than he is a rapper. And that's what Scorpion that's what Scorpion has showed me. Interesting. The first the first half of this album mm-hmm. is absolute garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and and it's like it's like the personification of everything that Pusha T was talking about in his disc record. <laughs> his his raps are his raps are dumb. Yeah. Um, those beats on those on the rap songs on the rap side are awful and horrendous and boring. <laughs> there's there's nothing going that the the song with Jay Z is embarrassing. Yeah, it's embarrassing. You know what? The whole in, in, first half of the, now, the second half of this album, mm-hmm. it 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 would be in my my top five so far. Wow, dude. There's a run on this album that goes from like ratchet birthday party to uh, I've got you in my feelings or whatever. It's yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. It's like a four track stretch. Is that that's a song with the OBJ dance that's like going viral right now, right? Where I, all these kids are just doing the dance. It's like CC, do you love me? Like that song. Yo, yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> and it's got the it's got the uh, the other single that came out that I like the um, uh, nice for what? Yeah. It's got that little sample where he uses future as well. Dude, the Mm -hmm. second half of this album is major league. That Ratchet birthday party beat is – it's probably the best beat I've heard this year. I mean it's fantastic. And and the other thing is you didn't really like – I kind of like that whole like passion fruit vibe that he had on the album before. Yeah. I I, I like that. And and – I, I think that's why I like this second half of the album so much. But like, listen, Drake has to stop rapping. Like he has to, <laughs> wow. he has to put it down. People what about I rapping hear, on featuring tracks. No, uh, maybe on the like. Sure, once in a while you could do a feature, but man, like you're not a rapper. You're hmm. not a good rap. You're rapping with this high pitched whiny voice. Your flow's the same on every song. Your beats are boring. Okay, I want to hear good rappers. I want to hear Kendrick. I want to hear Chance. I want to hear Push. I want to hear Nas. I want to hear shit. I'll listen to Kid Cudi. You haven't even mentioned Jay, and I feel I'm hurt by that one. Well, I'm hurt that you haven't mentioned Jay. That's because I'm very disappointed in what he offered up on that trash song. (laughs) It's awful. It's it's awful. It's brutal. And I was like, I'm there. I was listening to it the last like two or three days. I was like, shit. I you know I gotta be listening to this. And I, it was such a struggle to get through the rap part, man. And it was like this is – I was like this is everything that I hate about what Drake's trying to do. It's like complete fake tough guy. Like uh, like yeah, what? You're going to flip the switch on people? What? You're going to come out the car shooting? Like are you joking me? Like, this is, <laughs> but then I, as soon as the second half of the album, I was like, all right. Like this is a way – and – Musically, sonically, mm-hmm. 
the complete they're night and day. Like when they so, get in when they get into singing Drake, those beats are amazing. So Webby, you said so much there that was so amazing that I agree with a lot of what you said. There's so much there that I had to write down certain points. So follow me for a second here, right? You talked about the second part of the album, right? And I will say that is a point that I've heard from a lot of people that they enjoy the second half of that album. And when I heard that it was the R&B side or the or the yeah, the R&B side, let's say, I was kind of like, really? Like, am I going to like that? And you're right. Towards the end of that. There's a run on there where it's beautiful music, right? It sounds so different and cool and summertimey. So there's a lot of things, right? We know that Drake's camp is really good in terms of, I'm talking the party next doors, the Majid Jordan or whatever that dude's name is. Like his camp in terms of the the production team behind the the R&B side is really, 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 really dope, right? Beyond that, Drake just makes great songs. And the reason why I had such a tough time answering your question is because I came to the realization a while ago that Drake isn't really a rapper, but he's not even interested in really being a rapper. He's just a rapper by name because that's technically the box that people aim to put black artists in mainstream music, right? And I'm talking like the Grammys and like dumbass shit like that, right? right? They want to put you in this box and the box they're going to put you in is rapper or R&B or whatever, where Drake is bigger than that. Drake and why I use the term pop star, like that's what's out there for like Beyonce's and Taylor Swift's and Katy Perry's and whatever. Drake makes dope, dope music. That has never been uh, an issue for me, you know, in being able to admit that. And I think what you're saying on the second half of that album we hear a lot of that. The beats are fire. It's such like it's like soulful, like dope ass music. Now, you're talking about the rap side, okay? My oh. thoughts on the first half of that album, I thought there are some beats that knock, some beats that are okay, but his flow on them isn't really that good, but more so I don't think he's saying anything on any of these tracks. That's and that's more of my saying. issue, right? And I think that's that's more the issue with if you're of a certain age we're still kind of like pining for what hip hop was to us. And I don't want to sound like the old man, even though I am the old man. But what I mean by that is hip hop was different, right? Like what people were talking about, like the reason why I love the hip hop that I love is because there was something to say. It was aspirational. It was inspirational, right? Like it, it was motivating. Like there was a message behind it. It was trying to get you to like, better yourself or better your life or better your situation. It wasn't just all about, okay, smashing girls and popping bottles and whatever. And I get that. But now all hip hop or all rap music in 2018 is surrounding either doing drugs, being super depressed or popping bottles. And that's it. There's no real like aspirational message or or meaning behind it right and you kind of lose some of the art form and i feel like we get it in like such small doses and so when we do that's why you know people rep so hard for j cole that's why his stands rep for him so hard that's why kendrick what kendrick does is such a big deal and why kendrick is on such a massive platform that's also why people are so mad at kanye in 2018 right because when kanye came out right kanye was saying something yeah and he had a chance to really say stuff uh, when this new album came out, and he just didn't. It was way more personal than exactly. it was outward. Outwards. Exactly. So Drake is trying to. Drake is only really making rap songs, I think, because 
when he makes albums, he's making albums for a different reason, right? I think he's making albums because he's trying to cast the widest net possible to say, I think he even has a song where the hook is, uh, you know, your grandma likes this or your, your wifey likes this, your brother likes this. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think he's trying to cast the widest net possible in saying, hey, Dudes will listen to my album. They'll find a couple tracks on my album that they like. I'll have a couple tracks for the Mendem. I'll have a couple tracks for the girls, obviously. I'll have the the top 40 tracks. I'll have the songs that you can play on adult contemporary radio. Yeah. You know, And I think that that's what he's trying to do with these albums, and that's why they're so long, because he's literally trying to give... He's trying to get on everybody's playlist in your family, yes. right? your playlist, your girl's playlist, your mom's playlist. He's trying to be on, he's trying to do that. And so we're used to an era where an album, you sit there and you listen cover to cover. That's not the era anymore. Right. Right. And we almost got to let that go if that's what your expectations are. That's what I think the biggest issue is. Do I like the album overall? I don't know. I need more listens. Nothing really like jumped out at me. The the hip hop side, the hip hop side, the the rap side. Sorry, again, there were some tracks that were okay, but the the I felt I felt left wanting more. Right, like I expected more. Like if I'm told this is the top rapper in the game, and again, it sucks because that's the term that he's he's plugged into yeah. because of the way the the boxes are set up industry wide. If I'm told you're the top rapper in the game. I need better bars on some of these beats. Oh, way better. You mentioned bars. the J track. We've heard some of my favorite J, some of my favorite tracks of Dre and Drake. Dre, wow, <laughs> tongue twister there. J and Drake, right? They have some legendary tracks together. To me, like if you talk about Light Up, which was on uh, Drake's first album, uh, what was the one? Pound Cake, yeah, which is just like straight fire. Like these guys have songs to me that are dope 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 like pound cake i love that track that song on on uh scorpion yeah that's not that good no man. i did not like that and it's I so felt bad listening to it usually jay that's what he's made for are these features yeah. on other people's albums or remixes and both of them just come so flat and it's oh ugh, no i'm like erasing the first half of this album and only keeping it as a R&B singer album because yeah, man, I definitely got to, I definitely got to give it more listens, but overall my biggest takeaway after I was done listening to it, Webby, I, I I'm going to say this straight up and I know a lot of people will be like, what the fuck? But after I listened to this album, I'm like, this reaffirms that my favorite album of the year so far is still Nipsey Hussle's victory. Lap. Ooh. That's really? still my favorite album of the year so far. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. My... And, and I mean, I liked a bunch of different albums. Like, I liked the Nas album I thought was good. Yeah. Not great, but it was okay, right? There's still some songs that I like on that album. Um, I didn't like the Kanye album. Not really down with the Kanye Cuddy album. Daytona. I like Pusha T yeah. still getting bumped hard. Yeah, hard. I love that album. If you know, you uh, know. Right? So, the other there's one some things is, here. Uh, the um, Black Thought, like... Yep. Black Thought put out like a six, seven track album. That's just insanity. Like, and I still got to take in the J Rock album. Yeah, I got to take that in. Amazing. I haven't fully taken it in yet. I hear I've heard amazing. it's really good. I've heard good things. Um, but the one thing, the one question I have for you, going back to Drake for a second here, I heard a lot of people listen to this, and at the end of it, they said, "Well, where's the banger? There's no banger on this, right? Or there's no like 
big time track on this. And again, I just want to emphasize a point I made earlier about albums are made completely differently yeah. nowadays. And part of that is he released the bangers way before the I album. I was going to say, out. yeah, nice for right? what and God's plan are the bangers, but they've been out for three months. Exactly. So when we're listening to the album and we're waiting to hear what the next banger is, it's not really there. But in the context of just putting out an album, imagine if, you know, midnight last Friday or midnight last Friday, last Thursday, when did it come out? Thursday at midnight? Yeah. Thursday yeah. At midnight. So imagine if that was the first time we heard nice for what? <laughs> right? Like just bump through your speakers at like, I don't know what time it would have been if you listened to it straight through, but like 1225 or whatever, right? Like that would have been cr- Saturday would or Friday would have been crazy. Everyone bumping nice for what? Because that track is fire. That sample is dope as fuck. For so, me, it was yesterday at four or at five twenty five listening to Ratchet Birthday Party. I finally yeah. like slogged through all this hip hop and I got to this amazing sample, amazing beat. One of the yeah. uh, one of the best songs of the summer, I think. It's so good. So good. I mean, there's some songs on there that are super dope, super good songs, but overall as an album, I don't really think it's a good album, but I also think that he's not trying to make albums. Right. He's trying to make for playlists. me in the traditional way that I consume albums. I put on Watch the Throne the other Ooh. like last night. Just like I was just like, you know, flicking through music, and I was like, oh, I haven't listened to this in a while. And bam, cover to cover, it was just on. And, so and, good. And it reminded me of okay, the reason why that works as an album is because it all kind of fits together, all kind of sounds the same, right? Like there's a, you know, what Kanye labeled it, luxury rap yeah. kind of feel to it, right? Like it all kind of feels the same, like it's on of the same one. wavelength. It's of one. Yes. And albums nowadays don't really get made like that, or at least Drake doesn't put out albums like that I anymore. Would say Drake, He's trying yeah. to make albums to to – to be on everybody's playlist. At least you have a song from that album that will be on your playlist. Yes. And I think that's what it is. That's a great point. So, yeah. I mean, hey. But again, people, let us know what you think. Hit us up. Let us know what you think of Drake's album. Let us know if you despise the Warriors as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I want to emphasize, as much as I despise the Warriors, they did not ruin the NBA. I'm here for it. You need heroes and villains in sports. Like that's just the way that we consume sports and we like sports. You like to root for the good guys and bad guys, cops and robbers, whatever, right? Like it's entertainment. It. I love it. I'm here. I'm entertained. As much as I might diss KD, I'm sitting there watching and I'm I'm like in awe of him pulling up from half court hitting dagger three-pointers to win it. I got nothing to do but <laughs> applaud that cuz that is gangster. So, we love the NBA. Obviously, you do, too, if you're listening to a Ball on Blast podcast. And so if you do and you have something to say to Mr. Webster, where can they hit oh, you up? You can give me all your hot Johnny Tavares takes at a Webster 84 on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me on Twitter, still following Cuffs the Legend, still tweeting out Leafs wave emojis. You can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander, on Instagram at Shell Alexander, also on YouTube, if you want to watch some videos, some video content, at Sheldon Alexander. So we got you covered here on the Ball on Blast podcast, and we're going to keep going as long as there's stuff to talk about in the NBA. We're going to be here. And if there's not stuff to talk about in the NBA, we'll we're just going to do the normal On Blast podcast, where we just talk about sports or mu- music and culture. Maybe stuff happens in other sports. 
Who knows? But we're going to talk about it because we're here for you, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. We are the Ball on Blast podcast. Until next time, see ya. Peace. This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast podcast network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla.